first time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and if you would believe, I have never seen any Doctor Who until I started this podcast. And of course, I am now deeply hooked into the lore of this show and can't wait for every week to sit down with a Doctor Who fan or expert and chat about the show, get more information, and really get some questions answered. And so for this week, I have a Doctor Who fan that goes way back. He is an OG Doctor Who fan, if you will. So join me in welcoming John Sowell. Hi, thank you for having me. Excellent. And I, I say OG because in, in our conversation prepping for the show, I, I remember that you said you started with Doctor Who back in the 70s. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, 1973. I was seven years old. I was uh, playing on our local PBS station and I turned it on. A few friends had told me about it and I turned it on and it was an episode with Patrick Troughton, who is the who was the second doctor. So I go back mm-hmm. all the way to the second doctor. And then actually the episode I watched was a uh, transition episode, as it was, to John Pertwee, the third doctor. Oh. So the very first thing I'm watching is a reincarnate, you know, a, a regeneration episode, which of course is what the hell am I watching? <laughs> Which is something I ask myself every week when I sit down, because every show seems to have some sort of surprise where you you think you know what you're heading into, and then you're like, what is this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what fresh new take have they found on this old format? And yet every week, I am never disappointed. So uh, this week, we're going to talk about episode six from season one. Dalek or Delic. How, how do you pronounce it? Dalek. Dalek. Yes. Yes. And uh, it, it's, I'm going to start the episode like every other episode. If you have not seen Dalek, episode six of season one, this is a good time to pause the podcast, go watch the show, because I'm going to ask so many questions, it's going to spoil the plot of the show. So please, please, please watch it before listening to the show. But if you've already watched it, here we go. Once again, wow, what what a show. Like, the, so much. There was so much in this episode. And it's so much that you learn about who the doctor is and who he's become. I I feel like I've been asking this question a lot. And in this show, I really, I felt like I got a lot about the, uh, the time wars and, and we're going to jump into that, but I want to start just where the show starts, which is in that museum of alien antiquities and they mention a couple of things that I've I've already seen the 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 claw the Slovene, uh, but and this is where a, a, a Doctor Who fan like yourself is going to be able to tell me there seem to be a lot more Easter eggs on other Doctor Who characters and and villains. Uh, is my instinct correct there? Well, just the one main one, and he and the Doctor did talk about where he said where he, there was a head of a of mm-hmm. a uh, uh, robot there, and he said it was the stuff of nightmares. And as any old school Doctor Who fan would know, that is a Cyberman. 
And Which I've I've heard reference in passing, never never yet in the show, no, but in yeah. passing I've heard reference of it. And um, two of the main villains in the original series were the Daleks and the Cybermen, and they appeared a lot of times. And mm. so bringing them up here just as a offshoot was was a it was almost a fan uh, you know just to appease the fans sure more the fan than service. anything else yeah the fan service exactly and um, but it was it was just it was fun when he first comes down uh, when they first land you know saying that there was some sort of signal that draw drew the TARDIS off course but he knew mm-hmm. exactly this time when they landed he knew exactly where he was when he was. Which, yeah, which so far seems odd. It, exactly. It seemed odd that this was uh, a, a thing that the TARDIS guided him to. And I've heard that that's something that often happens is the TARDIS will pull them off course. But he was very specific about the when and the where. Uh, I love it that it's uh, 2012, which for them was the future for us. It's, you know, the, the good old past that we wish we could go back to. Right. Well, it was still the future when it first came out. <laughs> right, right. To, the, to them, you know, she, she's like, oh, I'm going to be 26. Uh, but, you know, to, to us, we're like, oh, I long for those days. Oh, yes. Where we could go outside without a mask and congregate and all of the things. But um, so there were, there were no other little Easter eggs. I mean, there were all, with all those cases, I would have assumed that there would be more little Easter eggs of, of old Doctor Who. Yeah. I, went, I went over the stuff. episode last night, and as mm-hmm. much as they, there, there could have been, and I was so busy enjoying the show instead of watching all the little details that I'm sure I missed something as well. Uh, but it was it, it, nothing that was anything important. There was nothing other than the fact that you, you know, this Levine arm, because they had literally just dealt with that. Sure, they had just blown them up. Right. And then, and then, you know, and, and the Cyberman had those other things that were meant to be, you know, very important to the, the person who owned the museum, not necessarily the person who, um, not necessarily to the viewer. Sure. I may have missed something, but I don't think I did. <laughs> uh, it, it just, it seemed like I, I could appreciate it as a moment of, uh, if I were a old school Doctor Who fan, uh, I would I would have certainly gotten something out of it. Uh, I I recognize the look of the Cyberman a little bit, so I'm, I, I know I've seen that in fan art or oh, in some sort of presentation. Um, so uh, I, I appreciated that, but even just from my perspective of not knowing what's going on. It was really nice to see once again, Christopher, Christopher Eccleson just giving this very earnest performance where he's just sitting there saying, an old friend of mine, well, enemy, a stuff of nightmares reduced to an exhibit. I'm getting old. It felt like a very nice homage for fans, I guess. It, it felt, it felt like it was a great homage and that, you know, knowing how well they've been doing everything with the episodes so far and really making this feel for an old school fan like it's a true Doctor Who show and they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel, that 
if you know anything about any of the of the uh, villains, they come back. Mm-hmm. And knowing at that moment, there's a chance that we will see the Cybermen again. Well, in speaking of villains, uh, very early in the episode, once again, we get the uh, the reference to Bad Wolf. This yes, time, with the helicopter. Yeah, this time it seems to be uh, about the uh, the owner of the internet, Henry Van Staten. Am I on well, the ballpark here? No, or? Uh, no I, it was Bad Wolf 1 where, where they said Bad Wolf 1 was coming. So I think it's just the, the continuation of mentioning Bad Wolf in every episode, which will be important mm-hmm. later. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those. Yes. Not yet, Daniel. Not yet. The long game. I, I've heard about this Doctor Who long game. Um, so, all right. So, it, it, it does not reference him, but we do get to meet the owner of the internet, uh, Henry Van Staten, who, God, that, I, I don't know the name of the actor, but he played that guy so well because immediately I wanted to punch the screen. Oh, yes. And, you know, not only that, but he was played as an American. Yes. And they were in America, which is definitely another thing that does not happen too often with Doctor Who. Which we we referenced last week. You know, it seems like everything bad happens in London as of yet. And now we finally had something bad happen in the U.S. Yes. And, of course, the, the... Best part of the whole thing was that it was completely underground, so it could be filmed anywhere. It didn't have to be right. filmed in America for them. Uh, yeah, it was. It was in a deep uh, Utah desert, some fifty feet below ground, or at least fifty stories below right. ground. Yes, fifty stories below ground, and that was uh, uh, a fun uh, way to uh, be able to be somewhere else without having to worry about. Uh, monetary issues of filming somewhere else it's (laughs) it's a it's amazing what happens and i've always said this of production film theater anything it it is amazing what happens when you are constrained by money and sometimes you get some of the most creative solutions that work so much better that if you had unlimited budget and can shoot anywhere you want uh and for this show it works perfectly because the entire show feels very claustrophobic, which adds to the tension of this confrontation that uh, clearly is meant to happen. Absolutely. And it's uh, you know, when it comes to the Daleks, um, they are the, the number one enemy of, of the Time Lords. So yeah, let, let's let's jump right into it because this episode is all about that, right? Yes. He, uh, we get we get the doctor saying, "Your race is dead. You all burn, all of you. Ten million ships on fire. The entire Dalek race wiped out in one second. You lie. I watched it happen. I made it happen. You destroyed us. And I got the impression that along with that destruction, he ended up destroying." the Time Lords as well, leaving him as the last of the Time Lords and somehow this as the last of the Dalek. I can neither agree nor disagree with that. Uh, Okay, you can neither (laughs) confirm nor deny. Yes. So uh, 
the the Dalek have been around prior to this. Yes. Is that oh, yes. correct? Uh, and it is more than just one, what, what I've been able to gather, right? No, usually it is a large crew of them. Back in uh, the original series, there was a leader, and it was briefly uh, mentioned there was a uh, man who led it all. Um, and there's nothing giving away this one. His name was Davros, and he was Davros. the leader of the Daleks. And if we um, have now what we've described you know, on screen as a large pepper pot mm-hmm. um, for what the uh, Dalek looked like, Davros was actually a physical um, body, uh, or at least an upper torso, you know, from torso up, uh, on top of a Dalek. Mm. Which making it even scarier back in the seventies. Sure. Well, uh, I mean, it, the 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 design is still a little just the the voice and the high pitch and the slight modulation. It, it was quite discerning or quite you know jarring, uh, at least for my taste. Uh, he he definitely came off menacing. Oh, absolutely, and uh, especially. As the episode progresses and, um, you know, you see how scared the doctor is when he first comes face to face. That I, I have to admit that was possibly the most jarring part of this episode was the um, manic expressions of the doctor from the laughing and crying moment when the Dalek is clearly shown to be inert to the desperation in his face about, you know, this thing is going to destroy everything and uh, the desperation in his face when he thinks he's lost Rose to the Dalek. Uh, Like there was, there was a lot of emotion placed onto what was happening and and certainly a lot of uh, to me as of yet unexplained history absolutely and um the benefit the the part that is uh just that people who started with the reboot don't get is that mm-hmm. back history unless you went back and you started to try to find more of it but mm-hmm. the daleks are so dangerous uh, because they just want to eliminate anything and everything in its path. Nothing matters other than the Dalek Empire. Any, uh, yeah, the, I, at least in this episode, he describes it as anything that they don't deem important or um, or or similar to them. Yes, I, and, I forget the exact wording he used. Yeah, it was similar. It was similar. Yeah, it was what they don't feel. You know, they can they can use if they can't use right. it, they're they're going to destroy it. Very similar to almost what the board were for Star Trek: The Next Generation. It was very much uh, if we can work if with we it, can assimilate you, we will assimilate you. Otherwise, you will be annihilated. Yeah, exactly. It's very scary how much they are, you know, how dangerous they are and to what Rose thought were the limitations of it uh, when trying to escape it. Well, and you, you brought Rose into it. So as, as always, she kind of 
brings things down. She's the the person that uh, things can be explained to, uh, so that we as the audience can get in. Um, but there's a moment uh, where we we've heard the last person that touched this guy caught on fire, used gloves, and yet Rose is able to walk up to the Delic, carry out a conversation. And then she touches it, and she doesn't catch on fire. So, was the 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 moment before the the, the described uh, catching on fire was this just the delic sort of protecting itself? Yeah, I believe that you know, as we saw in the beginning of the episode, they were treating the Dalek as trying to cut it open and and see what's going on with it, and sure. therefore was just trying to protect himself. So anyone coming up to it was going to be uh, of uh, a danger and Rose posed no danger. Right. She, she very openly, you know, sort of shows the Dalek pity. Uh, and then he just, so this, this has to be, and this is a really nerdy question, but this has got to be more than just simple armor if she's able to touch it and by touch, he's able to assimilate some of her DNA. It is the, the the Daleks are, you know, as we saw later on, they are, there is, Mm -hmm. and again, old time will know old time fans would know that there is something inside the armor, but the armor is part of uh, the Dalek. It is not, it is not something inside armor. It is there. It is a complete unit. Okay, that that's that that helps me a little bit because the way it was described, I was envisioning something like uh, the the Iron Man suit, in which you know there is something inside, and the Iron Man suit is sort of uh, super smart and aware, but it is just nothing more than armor, uh, and it sounds like the it, the it is more than just armor that 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 it does incorporate. Um, you did mention, I mean, we can jump around. I loved how when we're, when he's finally revealed, uh, tying it to, uh, as I've done in other episodes, talking about pop culture that I understand, uh, I loved how it sort of turns out that he looks kind of like the Krang from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I thought that was great because I'm sure that had to have influenced the uh, the creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in some way, shape, or form. It's a little um, bit of both. There was, you know, you you necessarily didn't see inside. You knew there was a creature inside. I think there might be one or two episodes where where they opened up and you saw them back in the past. But again, limitations of budget in the '60s and '70s. Mm-hmm. You necessarily weren't getting the ability to do, you know, the puppet building that you would need sure. to do. Um, so it's unnecessary. So it's a uh, maybe a little bit of both where the, you know, there was some issues that made it look like the Krang. And then when these guys, uh, now we're building it again and remembering, Hey, I think I remember it looking a little bit like the Krang. And so they recreated it based off of that. And it borrows back and forth. Which is, I, I still, I love the use of practical effects. I mean, it, the, the show is pretty obvious, uh, at least in these early episodes when they're using 3d, uh, or computer generated graphics versus when it's a, a real life thing. Uh, but I, I, I miss that in television and in movies altogether is the actual use of physical things so that 
both the actors have a chance to interact with it, but the camera has a chance to interact with it because a lot of times in these new, you know, computer generated environments and, and characters, there's something missing uh, in, in the way the thing interacts with the environment and the cameras that you really get the feeling that this thing is lumbering around the 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 set and doing the things that it's doing uh, to the point where at at one point Rose even sort of draws attention to well it can only roll around we're up the stairs we've escaped it you know this super advanced thing and it can't chase us and then it shows its advanced technology and how it does it but even to that extent the, they're playing with our perception of what we see uh, and I, I certainly appreciate anything that's done physically, I think looks so much better on oh, screen. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was the, the old, um, you know, Star Wars gag is, well, R2-D2 is kind of stuck, you know, rolling around. It has to have a flat surface. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, and then they, you know, they did the prequels and they were found ways around that. Sure, and, sure. So make the make a villain, you know, evil, you know, more evil. Well, if he's chasing you only on a flat surface, you know, easy to get away by going up or down. So find ways mm-hmm. around it. Yeah, I, I, I love that. But uh, jumping back a little bit in the episode, uh, we get a little more about the doctor. We find out a little bit about his actual. Uh, physical attributes in that he has two hearts. Yes. That's so, uh, always been the way, and that's just the way the Time Lords are. They've always had two hearts. And that's part of what I feel is uh, when you get to regeneration portions is that um, if one heart fails, then the other heart helps it with the regeneration. Is this actual canon? No, this is my interpretation of it all. Okay. That, that's that's interesting because I I had for whatever reason made an assumption that uh, he was cloaking himself in the human sort of look, uh, but somehow uh, at least in this episode and and seeing that uh, almost X ray that he got it it seems like this is his physiology he's just almost identical to humans, except that he is in possession of two hearts. And can live a tremendous long time. And can, yeah, can be 900 years old and look as good as Chris Eccleson does. Exactly. And then uh, look like other (laughs) very well uh, kept, very uh, physically fit uh, actors in the future. Again, yes, it's, uh, you know, the whole point of, uh, again, going back to 1973, you know, the whole changing of the, changing of the actor for whatever reason and you, and you need to, so you find ways to do it and keep Mm -hmm. the show going. The show is popular and the actor can't go. How do we do this? Let's create something for it. That's because clearly they did not have that planned when they, when they started the show in 63. Which again, it just shows the ingenuity behind the show because uh, every week I am not not surprised by how they take a conventional story. Uh, I was just about to jump into 
you know, this is a fairly straightforward story. You know, a man with a lot of power making poor decisions and in turn having to uh, be faced with those poor decisions in some sort of life altering or life ending way. It's a story that we've seen a lot. I mean, Jurassic Park and, you know, it's a very repeatable story. And yet somehow Doctor Who finds a way to sort of make it compelling in a way that I was not expecting. And for me, uh, so far, it, it goes back to just the involvement of the doctor in this. Uh, you know, he he goes from being an active participant when he's being tortured to being a very passive sort of watching what's unfolding from behind the scenes and commenting on the situation and commenting on the poor decisions that are being made and the the ultimately, you know, sort of narrating, this is what's going to happen if you keep making these dumb decisions. Right. And yes, and yet he kept continuing to make the dumb decisions, Mr. Right, Van Staten. Right. Well, because that's what happens when you are um, the center of the universe as you perceive it, because you have so much wealth and power that you surround yourself with people that will only tell you what you want to hear. So you don't want to hear the truth and you're not going to hear the truth. You're only going to hear what you want to hear. And, you know, it, it, it felt very timely to show a man that, you know, basically made his money by uh, a very clever, you know, plot device, which was taking alien technology, breaking it down and then using it to further his wealth and power to the point where at least when we're introduced, when he steps off from bad wolf one, uh, we're introduced to a man that seemingly can replace the president. Yes. So the, the implication is that this man is not just powerful. He is very powerful. Uh, and yet, you know, he, uh, he just, doesn't uh, as usual he just doesn't know what to do with the doctor and you know be, becomes uh, just another hurdle that the doctor has to get over but the the implications were that the delic fell to earth uh very uh, much much earlier than the timeline that we've uh, at least in the show have been examining so far and that it had fallen to earth some 50 years ago so yes would that have been during one of the other doctor reincarnations or no, faces? No, it's just, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, once you're playing around with time, it, you know, falls th- through a time rift from where it was during a battle, maybe the time war, maybe not. Uh, but just during a battle and, and it was a split in the fabric of time. Hmm. And just fell to earth. This has uh, this particular uh, soldier, as he keeps on, you know, relying that mm-hmm. he's waiting for orders, uh, and he's just a soldier. Um, is just that. It's just uh, nothing necessarily connecting him to another time of uh, of Daleks with the uh, doctor. Daleks or Doctor Who. Yes, and uh, I I just. We, we get to the point, you know, he, he, 
he assimilates some of uh, Rose's DNA, which I assume is what all, all of a sudden kind of gives him that the conscience that he seems to uh, exhibit. Uh, because as much as we've heard that these things are killers, we all of a sudden see that the Dalek in being faced with having Rose between him and, and exit uh, and easily being able to just dispatch Rose, he does not. He yes. saves her and tries to use her in some sort of uh, bargaining chip, but it, it struck me as a very non-Dalek thing to do, at least was- the way that he has been presented. Is that correct? Very non-Dalek. And Dalek. 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 I can't Dalek. pronounce it either these days. Um, <laughs> and it's just, um, you you have the, the door closing and the Dalek is approaching Rose. And then you with the quote-unquote camera switches off so you don't see what happens. But you hear the shot. Yeah. So you just assume that Rose has been killed. And the fact that the Dalek didn't kill Rose has to be from that uh, touch and the uh, and becoming uh, uh, picking up some of the DNA and some of the uh, uh, humanity that Rose has. Yeah, and that's something that they've never done. The and while we're talking about the humanity, there is a moment um, where it struck me as a very poignant uh, moment based on how they're presented where the Dalek uh, is looking at uh, the doctor and the doctor is expressing all that hatred that he clearly has because it, it, at least to me, it seems like this time war has happened very recently, or if it's not recent, it, it was impactful enough that anytime it's come up, it is emotionally, diverted him from where he was at uh but the delic looks at him and he says um uh when when he tells him why don't you die and the delic just looks at him he goes you would make a good dalek is that implying that the doctor was sort of exhibiting like that 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 anger seems to be what the dalek uh would perceive as strength I, yes, absolutely. The Dalek is seeing that as, you know, if you're if I'm trying to destroy you or exterminate, which we have yet to say yet, but that's, yes. the, that's the phrase of the Dalek. Uh that's you know in my dreams, you know, back in the back when I was a kid, I would hear that exterminate. Um mm. and but um the fact that uh all that hatred and anger towards these creatures that were involved in the time war, which pause. Um, okay. Okay. Um, uh, there is definitely uh, a hatred there and the Dalek almost sees it as a, uh, um, what's the word I'm searching for a uh, kinship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would make it for, you would have made a very good uh, Dalek because you have the same feeling as I do. It, it seemed like the Dalek was almost complimenting him, and at the same time, he knew that that would bother the doctor. Oh, absolutely! And, and, and I, I read that in uh, in the doctor that it, it bothered him that the Dalek sort of identified that in him. Um, exactly, they cannot be more different. So to be told that you're you're like me is mm-hmm. the ultimate in 
insult, as it were. So in in that vein, jumping now to the fact that he's assimilated a little bit of Rose, and so all of a sudden he almost seems to have a conscience, and the doctor does show compassion, uh, and and he does have a conversation with Rose, uh, and ultimately it's it's Rose that in the weirdest act of compassion tells the Dalek to just take himself out. Uh, that that whole thing seemed uh, the is that a, an evolution in Daleks? Is that like because it, it it felt very out of out of place with everything else that we've heard about the species, and and certainly uh, a very out of character choice for Rose to to say, "Sure, go ahead, kill yourself." Yeah, it definitely is out of place for Rose, but I think it was um, as we keep mentioning now that he was a soldier. He was waiting for orders. He was not going to necessarily think for himself and become more than he was programmed to be. So for that, it probably was the safest thing for him to do was to become just, you know, just to say, I have no more use and therefore I must uh, eliminate myself. It just, it seemed like for, for for a race that is supposed to be super smart, uh, the doctor says they're geniuses, for a race to be that driven to uh, wipe out anything that is not it, for it to all of a sudden realize that it can assimilate uh, and through assimilation maybe possibly uh, procreation or, you know, duplication of it of its species for it to just choose death seemed like um sort of a very hopeless sort of outlook to the dalek's existence yeah and like Uh, i said before it had uh this whole idea of being able to assimilate uh dna is something for this episode we've never seen it before so this could just mm -hmm. be more confusion of its programming it, yeah, and just not knowing what to do, and this was the final decision to be able to be made. When yeah, when when faced with having to feel this humanity, having to feel this compassion, uh, having to deal with people being compassionate towards it, it just it would rather destroy itself than go down that path. So yes. It was definitely a, a very interesting episode. Uh, one of my favorite moments or best bits, I, I guess uh, I could say, was that line uh, towards the end when the doctor says, I'm the only one left. I win. How about that? In a very, like, it, it doesn't sound like he's happy about it. No, it's definitely not something that, um, how he wanted it to happen, but yet right. it has happened. Like the... Again, there, there's a weight to those words that implies there's there's a cost to everything that's happened so far, and he is shouldering quite a bit of the burden of of this situation. Absolutely, and he will shoulder this burden for many many years, mm. um, and that's going forward. He has, and he will. Uh, I wanted to go back just a little bit at right around the. Um, uh, 26 minute 
point of the of the show. I wrote this down specifically because mm-hmm. it was such typical uh, in these uh, types of shows where you get the military arrogance, where uh, Rose says to the the captain of the guard, for lack of a better word, uh, he's coming, you need to not be here. And, oh, I know, we know what we're doing. We can do it. And then it (laughs) it then shows the the intelligence of the Dalek taking, you know, knowing he has a, a, you know, a weapon of, you know, electric based to set off the sprinklers and not to waste time shooting everyone individually, but to set off the sprinklers knowing the bullets are not going to hit him. As they mentioned earlier, he has some sort of a field around him that's melting the bullets before they get to him. So he can stand Mm -hmm. there and take the punishment of the shots heading towards him because they're really not punishing him, making sure everyone is good and soaked and just taking two shots and taking out the whole brigade. Yeah, I I always love when when we're shown in, in TV shows like this, the the machismo and the arrogance of uh power and um strength and then shown oh whoa look here's this little 19 year old girl she's smarter than you are yeah, oh yes <laughs> she, you know she's stronger than you are she's wiser than you are uh I, I i really do appreciate that and i've mentioned that in previous episodes i do feel like rose uh is definitely a very positive role model for uh, for women, which you know, in two thousand and five, we there there weren't that many well written female characters, uh, and here she is, you know, showing off this strong military guy, going, "No, no, we we know what we're doing," and, and she, she's the one that's in, imploring them, it's like, "Come on, the right thing is to run right now. The right, let's not wait here. Let's not sit here. Let's go. Let's let's do this." It just becomes, uh, you know, this, you know, again, um, simple mathematics. It's almost like the uh, the uh, soldiers in um, uh, what was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Predator? Uh, uh-huh. The best, the best that money can buy. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great if it's the best money can buy. If they're still stupid, they're still stupid. <laughs> they don't understand when there's 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 always a time to retreat to fight another day yeah it's it it's again it's the it's that show of machismo and yeah. that like oh we have to keep going forward as opposed to sometimes the way forward is the way back and yes. sometimes the the way to strength is to not exhibit it uh and, and that's something that the doctor has shown time and time again that it's not always about strength. It's about compassion. Always. And that's um, part of the reason why, and you'll learn more and more about it, but the doctor doesn't necessarily have weapons with him. Mm-hmm. He has a sonic screwdriver. He has sonic paper. He has informational uh, devices. He has devices that can open doors, that can... Uh, locked doors, but not necessarily is a weapon. It is just a tool that can help him because he's not so he's not necessarily one to go out there and to just be, argh, let's kill everybody. Except in this episode where he finds an old alien weapon and then he never uses it. Right. He I mean he knows the only way to defeat this is this is a certain weapon. He finds 
the proper one that'll work. Uh, and we haven't even mentioned Adam yet, who Adam is holding all of these uh, weapons away from uh, Van Staten mm-hmm. uh, to, to look at him himself. And he's going to, you know, and find something that can actually work. And yet it's not necessarily needed. Well, and uh, you you brought up Adam. He He's an interesting character because uh, it seems like in every episode, Rose finds somebody uh, that is not the uh, primary character to have a conversation with. Uh, and she very much seems to be flirting with this guy. Oh, absolutely. And it's definitely <laughs> a uh, let's let's see what we can do and see what happens with the doctor if this will affect him in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, 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 there is, there is a, so she, she does play up the, 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 she does play up her femininity with, uh, with Adam. Uh, and ultimately uh, at the, at the end of the episode, unlike Mickey just last week, Adam gets, gets on the TARDIS with them and, and the doctor sort of, allows it seemingly begrudgingly, but he allows it and they take off. They go into another adventure, uh, insinuating that they're going somewhere to the stars, but she takes him with what it, uh, it was in the, in the history of Dr. Who there's always been main companions and then there's the others. Uh, and you'll mm. see that happen time and again, and you'll see people who get on for short visits and, and get off and you saw ones that start in the middle of the season instead of right in the beginning. Um, and it just, there is no hard, fast rule of companion. Okay. It, 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 it seemed to me as he got on, uh, in that last little moment of the episode, uh, I kind of got a little, uh, red shirt vibe from him. Like, if this was Star Trek, he's not going to make it past next episode. Oh, no, he's um, he's an interesting character. And again, going back to the um, oh, he's British just like she is. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you keep going with that with that joke. Oh, we're all Americans. And I bet I got one Brit here because they understand some of this stuff. <laughs> Which, uh, whatever it's you know, it is what it is. They you know, British people are writing it, so they're going to make themselves look a little better, I guess. Sure, why not? I I really I I did like the the, the little joke uh, the doctor has at uh, Adam's expense, where uh, he he notes the like, oh, what are you going to do? Impress him with your uh, with your scores. Uh, there's that test that they all have to take, whatever. Uh, Rose mentions it in like the first episode, like her A's or something. Oh, right. That's uh, not going to come to me right now. Uh, yeah. Whatever that is, like he, he mentions it, it's like, Oh, what are you going to do? You're imp- going to impress it with your scores, uh, which, you know, yes, they're making fun of the Americans, but they're also, you know, they, they keep poking fun at themselves and at their social structure. So I, I appreciated that bit. But it seemed, uh, you know, at least so far, it seemed odd that uh, Rose is uh, Rose's boyfriend, Mickey, is not ready to to go on these adventures. 
And this guy, I mean, I guess by virtue of being employed by this super weird guy and being around alien technology, that maybe he was a little more prepared. Uh, it just it felt very weird to watch him walk onto the TARDIS. He, he, the character, you know, and that's part of the problem is because by now we know who Rose is and we have an idea who the Doctor is. So they feel comfortable but when you get this new character and you know that, you know, you've only met him the one episode, you're not really know, you don't really know who he is. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you see him getting on, he's going, I'm going to learn more about him. This is interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, and I, I love how we, we finish out the show with the shot again of the museum. Uh, and it was during that shot as the TARDIS is uh, disappearing into uh, its next adventure that it 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 reminded me very much of the scene where they're putting the Ark of the Covenant away. I, why did I know Indiana you were going to say that? <laughs> it just it, it felt you know like very archivey, very like for a second like I wanted I wanted to pause the screen and be like, is, is the Ark in there? Would they have worked that in there? But it just it was very cool, you know. There there were certain things in that museum that I wish we could go and visit and find out more about. Absolutely, and just like every you know, pretty much every episode. Now the villain was the Dalek, and he decided at the end that he needed to uh, find relief. Uh, through mm-hmm. through ending his life, but he necessarily wasn't the villain. The villain clearly was Henry Van Staten, uh, but like any true Doctor Who story, the villain was taken care of at the end. Well, he he was taken and dropped off in a city that starts with S. Right. <laughs> so I I have a feeling we may see him again. So oh, oh yeah maybe but yes it's I love I love the way that um, it it worked out. Hmm. So we, we're at that point. I, I've asked all my questions. So now, is there anything in this episode that I overlooked, something that I should have noticed that will come into play in future episodes? You know, it's, it's really hard to say because we did talk an awful lot, and I really cleared out my, uh, my list of, of my notes. Some of, the, some of the things that we got out, you know, notice, not necessarily about to help you for future episodes, but, uh, um, but to go on, they were talking at one point, they were talking about racial cleansing, uh, mm-hmm. obviously by ending the, the life of the, of the Dalek is racial cleansing. So they touched on that, which is such a, a difficult, uh, concept mm-hmm. uh, to understand, but in science fiction, it works so much better. So that was an interesting point. But in reality, this is a you know a lot of these episodes, even though it is a uh, a complete series as they call it in Britain, um, uh, it, it's really you know other than Adam getting on the TARDIS, and so therefore we will see him again. Um, it's a one off. Uh, yes, yeah, you saw I, a villain I from the past. Those but episodes. It, yes. But it's a one-off. There's not necessarily a lot to it that you're going to have to go back to and say, oh, remember this? Well, this was part of it. Or remember this one gun that the doctor held for a second that wasn't working, that that's important. That's not necessarily uh, things that you have to worry about. Well, good. I, it, I, I'm sure, I mean, you've already mentioned that there will be more about Bad Wolf and there would be, there'll be more about uh, the Time War, which... 
you know, it, it's been a common thread through almost every episode. Um, there's been some mention uh, and certainly an impact uh, to the doctor uh, as to the time war. Uh, so it was it, it was fun to sort of see the doctor uh, be put in a situation where he felt perilous for a little bit. Uh, and once again, use his smarts to get out of it rather than uh, a show of strength. You know, he he goes from being investigated and almost, you know, prod uh, poked and prodded to being the the advisor to uh, to Henry. So uh, I, I do hope we do get to see Henry again because he was such a lovable bad guy. Like I said, immediately wanted to punch his face. Oh, absolutely. Uh, excellent well thank you so much for joining me in this episode it's been uh, super fun well this has been great ever since you announced this i have been watching the episodes like you one at a time not wanting to go further because i'm curious to how to hear how you were uh you know liking them and finding all the little nuances about them so i can't wait because i'm gonna once we're done here i'm gonna go watch the long game which is the next episode I, I, I appreciate that immensely because that was my hope is not only to find this new fandom and get into it, uh, but to encourage other people to either get into it with me or to rediscover it through, uh, you know, a, a virgin's eyes, as it were. So thank you so much for joining me, John. Oh, my pleasure. Let's do this again real soon. Absolutely. And uh, thank you to the listeners for sticking around and uh, getting through to the end of the episode. If you want to support the show, please go to firsttimelord.com. There you will see all of our previous episodes. You can comment on previous episodes. So if there's something that I did not talk about or that my host didn't talk about that you felt we should have touched on or if there was something that you felt we didn't devote enough time to please leave a comment on the website Uh, also on the website you can find the link to my patreon site so if you want to support the show you can follow the link there to daniel levane if you go straight to patreon and search for daniel levane you'll find me uh, there as well and you know for five dollars you can get the episodes as early as possible and uh, some of the higher tiers include some behind the scenes and little mistakes or things that get edited out of the show just simply because of time so please stop on by there if you want to support the show but as a as always thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show and i guess uh I gotta go watch some more Doctor Who.